welcome to episode number 30 of the Plant Powered Radio podcast series. I'm your host, Janine Bancroft. On today's show from British Columbia, Peter Cunnington. Peter Cunnington is involved with the Victoria Autism Asperger Meetup Group, and he also participates in the local vegan activist groups working to liberate non-human animals from their oppression. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Peter. No problem. So uh, first of all, uh, when did you find the vegan path? What, what was that journey like for you? Well, I, I'm, I mean, I've, I've kind of always liked animals and stuff because when I grew up, I had a small um, two acre yard and we had a few like animals on it, like a cat and like some sheep and stuff like that. And um, my mom wasn't really vegan. She, I mean, we sort of vegetarian-ish. But then as I got um, older, especially when I moved out of my own, I, I sort of bought my own food and sort of started to like decided to go in like different styles of eating. People with autism, like they have a lot of like sensory issues when it comes to like what they eat, like food. So like I figured out that I was like really like lactose intolerant and like really bad with other stuff. And so I sort of started experimenting with what I was eating. And also also because I was trying to like save money because like I was trying to eat cheaper foods when I was out in the stores. Like unfortunately, a friend of mine um, passed away a, f- a few years ago of a stroke and it started to get me to realize how I needed to like be more conscientious about what I'm eating and stuff. Eventually, at some point, I saw some like YouTube videos. I think it was one about the one Paul McCartney one where it's like slaughterhouses have glass walls or something. And it just kind of started to like think about it more. And like I started to kind of get to the understanding of it and just eventually I just kind of decided okay that's enough I'll just like completely go vegan after that and a few other documentaries and I just decided yep that's it because it just all made sense from a health perspective first of all and then and then for the animals how long ago was that that you made that decision well I don't have an actual like date exactly a day or something it kind of progressed gradually over time I think I was like, I, I said it was going, I, I said in my mind I was going to go vegan. And then I, I kind of did. Maybe I like ate like a, like one thing that might've had some like vegan stuff in it uh, here and there. But, and then eventually I started to be more like, more like strict about it, like eventually. And then focus on like other aspects of like clothing and other things and sort of like extend it out to really make sure I'm following this lifestyle completely. Yeah. Right on. And so at least a couple of years, I've known you for a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Right? So, and so how, have you noticed like uh, improvements in your health? Have you noticed? Um, a little bit. I mean, I definitely was obviously realized I, I mean, for some reason, my mom thought it was a great idea for me to drink glass after glass of milk. I guess she was like convinced that I needed lots of like calcium or something. And I always felt really like stuffy and like really nauseated from drinking milk and I never really thought about it just thought that was just normal how I'm supposed to feel but after stopping drinking milk for example I feel way way better and I don't know if you're aware of this but a lot of autistics have a lot of sensory issues some have can only eat like no gluten no this no that I really don't know what that is but it has something to do with with being autistic so yeah all right, well, let's shift to talk about that um, mm-hmm. then. So, because that's a big part of your reality. Yep. And, um, you know, we've just seen uh, the government, the governments did a pretty good job of supporting all of us through COVID. And then now they're clawing back some of that. And um, they, they've announced for people with uh, disabilities are going to be 
where you were, you were receiving $300 through COVID and then now you're going to be receiving 175. Is that right? Okay. Well, what happened was as when COVID hit, a lot of people were concerned about because the federal government decided if you're off work, you get this $2,000 like um, CRB thing, but that didn't, that didn't count for people on disability because they didn't lose their jobs. Some of them didn't have any jobs to start with. So they were really worried about what they were going to like, <clears throat> how they're going to get by because everything was like kind of locked down and they didn't want to go to the stores and spend extra on, on, on delivery and some stuff. So the government's like, okay, you can have a $300 extra added to your disability check. And now that lasted all the way up until December. And then the government, even though COVID's still on, they decided, okay, we're going to take away 150. You'll just have 150 extra above what's already very low, 180, 100, 1,183, I think it is. Yeah. So it's barely anything. And then, and then, then they said, okay, well, now everyone's complaining about it. Enough people push the government. So rather than take away all the money, we'll, we'll take away a portion of the money. They say they're giving us 175, but really it's actually a reduction of right. 125 because really it was a 300. It should have never been takeaway in the first place. So we had a rally um, just yesterday and we rallied on the lawn of the legislature, different people, um, Jordan Riker, you know, was there and some other people spoke and we just tried to get a point across that it's not livable to live on barely anything, even 1,500 would be, would be not even livable, but they're giving us even less than that. So, and then, so the idea is to fight for about one, 1,800, dollars and way more subsidized housing and other supports and yeah that's basically what we're fighting for yeah right yeah i watched the video of that and our friend jordan reichert as you mentioned he's a mm -hmm. activist very active yeah. vegan in our community and he also yeah. works uh, with uh, mental health uh, people with mm -hmm. mental health issues and uh, he, uh, he, had, he sort of suggested that the government elected people who think this is okay should try to live on this amount for a month and see what yeah. that's like. <laughs> so, so just to clarify, so the federal government, when CERB, uh, or when the COVID hit, the, the federal government gave uh, working people who couldn't no longer go to work $2,000, just here's $2,000. It didn't last forever, but for a period of time, they did that. And then because you guys are in a separate sort of receiving end of um, uh, subsidy. Well, the provincial, I, uh, hang on, hang sorry, on. The provincial sorry. government, the provincial government then said, okay, people with disabilities will top them up with $300. So that took you over that took you to like $1,400, $1,500 total, right? Yeah. And then now they're clawing that back and saying, we're going to give you $1,183 plus $175 when we know that $1,800 is, is absolute poverty level. So the government is saying to you, you can live under the poverty line. That's okay. It's pretty, pretty much. And there's all kinds of other clawbacks. If you live in your car, you don't receive the the uh, 375 rental supplement, which we all know is just a ridiculous rental supplement anyways. But so there's all kinds of other, you live in a backpacker in that you don't call that a house, all kinds of bad, bad supplement, bad clawbacks. And, and I actually was really lucky because I was one of the very rare lucky ones. I actually have a job. So as long as you were making a thousand dollars or whatever the amount of money per year, you're actually also allowed to get served. So for so I was actually lucky because the government, the BC government said, we're not gonna normally you can only be on either disability or or um 
uh, like unemployment insurance. Right. But this was different than unemployment insurance. This was CERB. So right. the government was really generous for this small period of time. It said, you, know, you just keep CERB and you keep your regular display check. Mine is the 300. They said it's one or the other, not the. So I got about, for like three months, because I collected CERB, I got about $3,000 added to my, added uh, coming in my, my in, in, in employment. And, you know, so right. it was actually really, really good. Unfortunately, that, that wasn't the case for people who had no jobs. And so that's what we're fighting for. Yeah. And after living for so long on uh, under the poverty line, what were you able to do with that extra money, Peter? How did that help? Well, I, me, I saved some of me. I saved some of it. I mean, I already had a job and I live in um, low income housing. So I wasn't totally like as bad as some other people was because my rent is is subsidized by the government and I have a small part-time job working at a factory making food but other people just don't have that they and so some of them really enjoyed the extra added three hundred dollars even that small amount was really good for them and then the government just said nope goodbye we'll take it away and they're trying to claim that it's oh it's the biggest increase in bc history well it's the biggest permanent increase but as we know they're taking away 125 so yeah right okay and i see you've got yourself a nice headset and mic and you're that's part of one thing you were able to do and then maybe yeah. set yourself up with a new computer so you can do a, a youtube channel you said you're thinking of doing a YouTube I, I'm, I'm contemplating thinking about doing a youtube channel because prior to covid i did a lot of speaking at conferences and events which unfortunately as we all know has been all gone like taken away completely so Social media is really our only last option to get the voice out there when it comes to um, getting the voice of, of animal rights and, and other disability rights. And so if I started my own channel, it would be a very useful way or, or getting on Twitter, Facebook, blogs, whatever, just to make sure that people can hear my voice because as I said, all the conferences and are, are just closed yeah all right and even though your housing is subsidized you still have to pay for things like hydro and internet and all of that just like hydro is actually included i do have oh, to pay nice. for i do have to pay for internet so yeah i was but unfortunately what people don't realize is you don't just they don't just give you housing when you get on disability you got to sign up for a ridiculous housing list wait 12 i personally waited 12 years because they wow. claimed i live with my parents so they waited and said well when your parents throw you out then we'll we'll will speed you up and i was like well they're gonna throw me out once i get housing it's like so <laughs> it was it was a whole system the system is not well set up for in bc for people with disabilities just no. just bad and there was something where people at the rally were talking about there's a situation where i mean because disabilities is a range of things from people with cerebral palsy who need 24 7 support to people like yourself who are mostly you know participating in society you just need some yeah. some help and uh but and and there, so there's something about when you apply for disability about being disabled enough. What, what yes. Well, what happens is they, they make you jump through these most ridiculous hoops. And the uh, same thing happened with my, I, I mean, my mom helped me when I was like moving into adulthood from teenagers. So I don't quite remember how I got in just by doing the housing. And we constantly tried to apply for other housing. But apparently those housing, I had to literally not be able to feed and dress myself. And so, and other people have done the same thing where they apply for disability, but apparently they have to be further disabled. Like they, they in their mind felt that they were disabled not to have a job and not to do earn a living, but the government had a different opinion and they thought, no, you aren't 
it, further, you need to be further disabled, which is really useless because then they're still struggling. So, right, and they actually use that word, those words. You're not disabled enough. Well, they don't. They don't say those. They don't say those actual, I don't know what the words they say exactly, but they claim that you have to be like more like for me, for example, the housing, I want to say either it was for families or people, as I said, you literally have to not be able to feed and dress yourself. Right, right. Which yeah, I, I can, which I can do. I just have struggles and some other issues in terms of like, pay, like, like give, having a full-time job, having like a whole thing. It would be like too much to cover what is normal rent in Victoria, but I can feed and dress myself. Right. Uh, yeah. I've worked in group homes. So I, you know, I understand that, that angle and, and, and the, and I think about those people now when everything's shut down, you know, and I mean, and the whole funding thing to that sector of society is a whole other issue. But so let's talk in terms of like accessibility, accessibility of jobs and accessibility of space in society for, mm-hmm. for people with disabilities. You know, we rarely see people with in wheelchairs out in our world regularly. And now it's even worse. They can't, you know, they can't go to the IMAX and they can't go to their music groups and they can't. I just think it must be such a challenge for them. What what has um what has what what do you have to say about uh, like access in society? Well, access for society. I mean, they've done a fairly decent job with in terms of of physical disability. In terms of, like getting around, like you can get on the bus. Most buildings are accessible. But when it comes to like more like neurological disability, which autism is, it's not as good because people have like sensory issues. Like maybe the perfume is really makes them nauseous, like the smell of someone's cologne or other things. And like sometimes like buses don't go to the places that you need to go to where you live as frequently. So people are forced to live in places where they have to like like schedule their lives around things or like apparently I've heard I don't take it that often, but I heard handy dart. It's like really terrible. You have to book it months and weeks in advance. You can't just be like a cab and phone it up. I want to go to the, the, the grocery store. No, you got to like pre-schedule it. It's it's a whole, it, it, so it basically means people have to spend all their time scheduling and planning. And it just takes a lot of effort away from living your normal like daily routine. And as you said, like it's been a kind of a problem with COVID because a lot of these programs that people enjoyed like, as I said, my, even my group, my autism group, we, we still, luckily, we still meet online and we still do Zoom meetings, but we haven't met in person and it's okay with the Zoom meetings. In some ways, actually better because people from outside who didn't know how to travel are now able to link on. We might still continue the Zoom meetings partially after, but it is still nice, like through walks or things and you're not really supposed to do that with COVID. And I used to go to the movies all the time. Those have been shut down. A lot of the programs, like, the pools were shut down. That was really important for some of my friends who do special Olympics. So it was been, yeah, it's been not great for disabled during the COVID. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and um, so just, I, I have to, I have to say good things about handy dart though, because when I did work with people with disabilities at a day program, um, so you do have to book it, you book it two weeks in advance and it's, yeah. Yeah, you can book up to two weeks in advance. So it does require a certain amount of planning and it's not perfect. I agree. But if they can't, if you've booked it and they can't get to you, they'll send a cab. That's kind of an okay. interesting thing. That well, I, I, it's been years since I took it. I think I took it like once. I just live, happen to live on a bus route. And for me, it's just easier to jump on the bus. Right. But if I lived, when I used to live at my parents' house, they lived way out in the central Sanitary area. And it was like, 
I had to take three buses to get to work just so it was yeah very impractical and for if I could have booked Candy Dart but then I would have to again book it a bunch of two weeks in advance and that's yeah and 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 like you said I mean we we are talking about people with various sorts of uh challenges right so um even whether you're able to get yourself set up with a computer and access zoom I mean you know what kind of supports are there for for getting set up during COVID could you phone someone and say hey I need some help with this and that because things have changed Mm, I don't never really looked into it I suppose there's some like you can phone like um together against poverty and they'll help you like with they'll probably send you or the disability resource center in victoria will probably send you to someone uh i mean i already knew how to do zoom for example but i mean if you didn't have a com- if you're too if you're too low income to even have a computer or i mean some people live in their cars or they live in the tent city and they're like i mean they just yeah they don't even have a a lot of the places make you the doctors have you do zoom zoom meetings zoom doctor visits well if you don't have an actual uh, like a computer or any way to do that you just i don't know i guess you just have to go to one of the walk-in clinics but then they're like limiting the amount of people they let in so you have to book it and it's yeah it's it's not really thinking about people who are not in housing or got all the setup that's the problem with this yeah and we don't often think about uh, the homeless community as people with disabilities but it's very likely that a significant portion of those people are people with various disabilities oh for sure who haven't been able to get uh jump through these hoops as you have with some help from your family yeah Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah well my family i mean i'm one of the more luckier people because my family as i was diagnosed with autism when i was 15 years old at a really amazing place called queen alexander I, i mean i never even knew about autism before that, I kind of vaguely heard about it. Officially, my diagnosis is Asperger's syndrome, but now they folded that in. So I just say autism spectrum, which is more easier. If people ask me what my diagnosis specifically, I will tell them Asperger's syndrome. But so anyways, and I, so my mom knew early on that I had it. I mean, some people know as early as five now, they're doing much greater work and they can guess at that, that age, but I didn't know till 15. And so I, I, my mom knew what to do. She got me on the supports. She got me on the housing list. And I said, I was able to sit wait at my parents' house for like maybe about 12, 13 years on the waiting for the housing, but other people aren't as lucky. They have to just take whatever they can get basically. And you ended up in a good place. Thankfully you, you have some pretty good housing now, but is that the yeah. first housing that you got? Uh, yeah. The first uh, permanent housing. Yes. Well, you're lucky because some of it's better than others too, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. It's actually used. Well, it used to be a building just for people who are 55 plus, but because the government changed the regulations, they allowed for like younger people to join in. And prior, unfortunately, prior to COVID, we had events like we had a room and we could go down the room and meet up with other people. But because COVID hit, they came, they came by and they locked up the room. So now we just see people sometimes outside when I'm they're like out there smoking or something, but really I don't, I mean, I don't smoke, but they just, I, as they pass them by when they go inside and then other times they see people in the hallway, but it's not as much as I used to do. So it's a little bit isolating, I have to say. Right. Absolutely. Well, luckily you have the, the uh, autism Asperger's meetup group. So, yeah. and what kind of things do you guys get up to like pre COVID and then during COVID? Well, 
prior to COVID, we would do a meeting at least once a month at a place in Victoria. Uh, we sometimes met at this house, other times restaurants. We kind of bounced around to find places because we everything charges lots of money. So we'd do the best we could. But then um, sometimes we would do like other activities, like we might go bowling or or like a walk or like movies when they were actually open and like other things of that nature. But yeah, just to meet people because there's like almost zero um, actual support in Victoria for people and the programs for children. Their parents will take them there. When you reach adulthood, you get your disability checked. Maybe you get a little bit of counseling, but support groups no nah, barely any so we so this other girl named iris gray just started her she actually didn't start it someone else actually officially started but she took it over and i help out like i'm on one of the event organizers so i do if she doesn't can't make it to events because she has work and stuff i do other things they said like bowling or walks or just you know that kind of things you know nice well hopefully you can get back to some more of that soon we're we're hoping once covid restrictions lift yeah Right. Uh, okay. So just one final thing um, when we're thinking about the, the funding, I think we all appreciate now that a universal basic income wouldn't just result in a bunch of people sitting on a couch all day. No. <laughs> Obviously we all want to be active. Well, most of us, right. We want to be active members of society. So I think there is like a federal discussion now at, at of uh, uh, actually a guaranteed livable income. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? I've, I've heard talks about it, but I mean, there's, I think there's been some whispers about it for years. I don't know how serious this is. So. There has, we'll see. It, it, we'll seems see. Like, it seems like it's getting more. They've actually got a bill where that talks okay. about that talks about forming a committee to figure out how to do it. So, I mean, it's a step forward, but that would eliminate all these other things like the welfare, which is way less than what you. Folks oh, welfare pay. is about I think welfare is like nine, eight, nine hundred dollars. It's, it's yeah, it's really, really low. Right. They try and they can't figure out where all this homeless pe- homelessness is coming from, as yeah. a, you know, when they so, you know, eliminate that and and the and the PWD supplements and just everybody get the same amount and then we can contribute to our local economies and exactly away we go. Right. OK, um, well, let's talk a little bit about being uh, vegan and how you self-identify, Peter. So I've heard it said that we don't want to refer to folks as autistic, but we, re- we say you're a person with autism. Is that an No, um, no, what I actually say, it's actually the opposite, sorry. What I say is I have, I have, uh, I, well, I personally say it, I'm on the autism spectrum because I don't live, like I, I've always had autism my whole life. Like I've never, uh, people say, what's it like to have autism? I couldn't tell you what's like to have autism because I've never not had autism. Right. I was born with autism. For me, autism is just being me. Like I was born this way. I grew up autistic. So I have no variants of not autistic. I can only tell you what it's like to be in society with autism, but I don't, it's not like something I'm living with. It's just a part of my general existence. And I also like to say this disability. I like to focus because some people like to say oh it's like a different or or a special ability well that's if i just say disability that's what it is it's 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 not to be ashamed or embarrassed about it i i don't feel that it's i have to hide being disabled i'm just proud to be disabled and society is working on making it better and that's who i am yeah Okay, that's cool. That's good to know. And it's so it's almost like an invisible disability too, right? Because you know, you're not in a wheelchair. And so in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. I mean, if I feel like really overwhelmed, or 
if someone knew me or spent a lot of time with me, they might notice more obvious things, but it's not like, no, as you say, it's not like a, in a wheelchair where you can physically see the wheelchair, but it's also not like, it's totally like, a lot of people do what's called, I don't know if you heard of called masking. It's where you basically, you learn traits and techniques. It's almost like acting, like you see other people doing these sort of traits and techniques. And over time, you 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 do them. You, you don't really stop having autism, but you kind of know what others are doing. And you don't do the, and it kind of is a good idea because then you can kind of fit in in certain places and it's not a bad thing to be masking completely. I mean, sometimes it can be kind of hurtful if you have to do it all the time, every minute of the day, become kind of stressful. But if, if, if you, you know, here and there, like in movies, you want to be quiet, you don't want to jump around, you know, that kind of thing. So certain times it can be useful. So, yeah. So for people who aren't aware, I think people on the spectrum um, take comfort from stimming. Is that something that that you do? Can you yeah. that is? Um, well, stimming is just basically, there's different types of stimming. I mean, some people might like, have one of those like, I don't know, like fidget toys you might f play around with or, or like spinning or like hand flapping or like, it just depends on the individual person. I mean, more people would like, I, what I say called like classic autism might be more obvious when it comes to stimming. They might like literally flap around or jump about and it really helps to relax you and because it gets you sort of it's just, you know, like you ever done like, like a workout and you feel kind of like relaxed because you're kind of like moving your muscles around and you, and you get your chance to sort of, and it just helps to kind of loosen you up a bit sort of thing. Yeah. Right. So when we see those activities, we shouldn't try to stop people from doing that as long as they're not hurting themselves. As, yeah. As long as they're not flapping in someone's face or literally hitting somebody, um, that is to me is a perfectly acceptable um, I mean, obviously you won't be like shouting in a movie theater or something, but I mean, but again, you simply flapping your arm about, yeah, I see no reason that seems like it hurts nobody. Yeah. So some people have suggested that there are ways to cure autism. I think you feel fairly strongly about, about that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously autism is not a bad thing. So, I mean, a lot of people, we, we, we think maybe some people like Einstein may have had autism. We don't know because it wasn't diagnosed back then. There was no such thing as the word autism. And so we don't know, but we think that people like Einstein autism, so he may not even be able to tie his own shoe, but he did amazing things because, so no, autism should never be cured. And you shouldn't, when I say you shouldn't cure autism, it doesn't mean you should not work in your life to make a better life for yourself but that doesn't that's the difference from being cured uh, you still have autism and you'll still be considered autistic but you might you know learn how to like take the bus or learn how to like do certain functions or learn how again as i said not screaming in the movie theater just those kind of things a small little changes as long as you're not hurting yourself or suppressing any kind of thing in your life then really that's that's but again that's different from actually curing autism yeah. right so it could because it's just who you are like you say yeah. and so on the flip exactly. side then some people believe that you can get autism from like a vaccine so no, you that, no that's been that's been wildly debunked mm -hmm. the guy who who said that was was his license was revoked and it was completely debunked and there's a lot of other myths about certain i mean Drinking, for example, some people think literally drinking milk, milk is bad for you, but it's not going to give you actually autism. I mean, some people, they might 
not as I said, I had some because I'm very lactose intolerant. So I have issues with drinking milk, but I don't have it didn't give me autism. I mean, when I was a kid, I drank milk, unfortunately, but I didn't know all this, this, the, the, how bad it was and bad for the cows and all that. So I didn't know anything. So I drank it, but it didn't give me autism, but it also didn't help me with my autism. It, it made it probably worse because I had lots of like stomach aches and lots of like, you know, problems with, with, so it helps to improve your life by doing certain things, but you still have autism. And so the, there's no cure as there's no, like vaccines don't give you autism or anything, but there are things that will you can do with diet and other aspects that'll gently improve your quality of life with autism. Right. Yeah. And so how are you feeling about the COVID vaccine? Are you going to get that? As far as I know, it's fine. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's been some tests have done on animals. But again, we as vegans, we can't avoid all animal. It'd be impossible. I would never take a, a pill or I would never take anything. So I'm just going to wait to see until my group, I think people with disabilities might get it sooner than the general public gets it. I, I suspect. So as soon as I can get it, um, I, I'm just going to go and get it. Cause I have no, as far as I know, any side effects are way, way less worse than actually getting COVID. So I really like to just get it as soon as possible. Basically. Yeah. Do you, do you know when that's going to be yet? Have they given you a, time? there's, no one's called me up for a vaccine or anything. Okay. My mom got it a few, a uh, few days ago. That's all I, that's all I know. So, you know, the good news is all, I mean, the bad news is that yes, they did a lot of clinical trials on animals with the vaccines, which means they had to give COVID to these animals, poor things. Yeah. I mean, how horrible is that? However, apparently the AstraZeneca and the other most popular one is there's no animal ingredients in the vaccine. So yeah, that's, that's what I've, what I've heard. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So um, how, what would you, what would you recommend? Like if you could talk to government people directly, what would you suggest that they could do to help improve the lives of people on the spectrum and well, people with disabilities? Right off the bat, giving everyone $1,800 right off the bat, oh. instantly $1,800 right off the bat. And that would be the first step. And the second, further steps down the line, better housing, better mental support, better um, doctor, doctor visits, more clinics that could, people could go see, um, just easier access to stuff. I mean, it's fairly okay accessing buses if you live in, in an area, uh, better um, programs to if you want to if you are able to work a little bit because you can work a bit when you're on disability you're not not allowed to work at all you you could just earn a certain amount of money and then after that they tell you that no you either lose disability funds or you uh, or you get it clawed back basically because they don't want people like if you're able to work like full time then you wouldn't obviously be on disability but but you, those supports um just yeah basically just i mean that's it right off the bat eighteen hundred dollars right off the bat and then further down the line supports from there. Yeah. Okay. And um, what kind of things would you uh, want to do for the animals? Well, right now, I mean, the very, the, in Victoria, for example, I'm getting rid of the horse carriages. That's a, that's, that's, that's a big thing. That's been a big subject that a lot of us have dealt with and dealing. I mean, obviously with COVID, as we know, it was the leading suggestion is it was caused by animal agriculture. So it's really, I think, if we don't want to, if you want to avoid further um, lockdowns and further viruses, then we want to really think about 
getting rid of getting rid of animal agriculture, or at least in significantly improving it. But obviously, getting rid of it is the best solution. And I mean, just making everyone go vegan. I mean, I can't make everyone go vegan. That would be impossible. But really encouraging that more schools um, educate people on animal agriculture, um, the government programs implement. I mean, getting rid of the animal subsidies so that your foods don't, the animal foods are equal to the prices. I mean, cauliflower at the store sometimes costs like $5. We can get a couple of pieces of chicken breast for like a buck or something. Well, who's going to pick the cauliflower then? They're going to pick the, the cheap chicken breast. But as we all know, they're cheap, not because they're cheap because of animal subsidies and how they genetically modify the chickens. So that's what makes it cheaper. But people are just woefully unaware of this. So making more education in schools, making more awareness um, and just improving. And also in for Victoria, a great option would be, there's something that Jordan also talked about the rally, pet friendly housing, because a lot of people, I'm sure you're aware of this, that having animals is going to be very therapeutic, but people have to pay a premium above their normal rent to even have a, have a pet in their house. And some places mine doesn't even allow pets, period. And all the low-income housing, maybe if you're lucky, you can have a place with one small indoor house cat, if you're lucky, or a tiny hamster in a cage. But no, no dogs, no, no, you know. And, and when I was a kid, as I told you, I lived on a farm, and that was very therapeutic to have all these animals around. But I can't do that, and so it's a bit lonely, and especially living on my own. And a dog or a cat would be a nice touch, but so the government of BC hasn't hasn't made that allow that for all places yeah yeah i think one of the things jordan is working on is trying to get um the ability to have a companion animal determined individually rather than like this building has no pets or whatever like these people in the building have proven that they can do this responsibly so they can have companion animals like that that kind of thing and i think there was some suggestion at the rally too that rent could be like that you know why should we all be paying market rents? You know, those of us that have to pay market rents when some of us are earning minimum wage and some mm-hmm. people are earning uh, way more than that. So there's a lot, yeah, lots of good changes that we could do. Let's let's talk about, unless you want to say anything about that. No, that's, that's about it. You want to talk about um, your visit to the UK. Was that two years ago? Um, okay, well, the last time I went, I went to the UK for this event, two events. Um, I went for three events really, but the two vegan events were um, the, the Animal March put on by, um, everyone's heard of Earthling Ed, he put on the Animal March. And then the other event was the um, UK Vegan Campout. Now, what I, the, how I found out about this was, I was working for a, for a while at this great place called, it's in Victoria, called The Very Good Butcher. And I, I don't work there anymore. It's nothing to do with the company. I just, they became a bigger company. They moved forward. I felt like going in a different direction. I don't work there anymore. So I, I had saved up some money by working there and I was in between jobs. Now I got a different job instead. And I was in between jobs and I had heard about this event, I don't know, online or something. I don't remember where, YouTube, somewhere about that called UK Vegan Campout. And I looked at it, I watched the video. If you go to YouTube, you just type in UK Vegan Campout, you'll get a video. The last time, unfortunately, of COVID, it was canceled last year. But the last time I was on was 2019. It's a great event with food and speakers and activists and you camp there in a big field. And um, it was just amazing. 
And so I thought, well, okay, I, I have some money saved up now. And so I actually was born in the UK. Like I was born in Oxford, England in the UK. So my grandparents still live there. My cousins still live there. And it was an opportunity to also go see them. And I'd been there before for other events. I've been to Scotland and other types of events. So I thought, okay, I'm, I think I can afford to go. It sounds like doable. So I, I got all the funds set up and I saved up my money and I, and I rented some very inexpensive, um, dorm rooms in london and i went there and i went to the march first of all and i was actually able to meet up with some um people at the march there's a there's a couple they have an online um youtube channel called those annoying vegans anna and brian their names are and they said they were going to the uk i had no idea they were going when i planned my trip but they mentioned on their channel they were going and they they mentioned they were going to meet up at a, this this place actually earthling ed owns a restaurant called um, Unity Diner. Now it's a bigger location with like a whole cocktail bar and it's a huge location now. And it gives all the money to, to, his, to his organization, which is put money into his sanctuary, which is like an 18 acre, huge 18 acre sanctuary that he has now. And so I went there and they had, they had booked a table and I went and met the, uh, Anna and Brian there. And we had a little meetup the night before the march because they were going to the march. And I then the next day went to march, a huge march that goes all through London. And we stopped in Trafalgar Square and actually occupied the square so no one could get into the square. And it was maybe 1,200 vegans and like it was so many people. And the marches culminated all around the world. Like there was one in Toronto that the animal a protection party of Canada went to and there was one in uh, Australia a whole bunch of countries and they did different marches on the same day and so I went to the march and we had it was a great day we walked through the city thousands of people then we met up and in the in, went to this place there were speeches and stuff and that was amazing and then then that, that that ended so then we and then we later in the day we met up and we went out for dinner the same people and they went other people went their way I went my way did some other stuff because the march and the camp out were about two weeks apart so i went off to scotland and i did some other um touring and there was a there was a festival there called um the Fr fringe fest which is the world's biggest fringe festival in the entire world so i went there did some saw some shows did some stuff saw my grandparents and then i went came back to london stayed for a couple of days then went took the took the train to this place called in newark and where they have this big showgrounds unfortunately it, it was a other times the year they use it for a horse riding, but there was a bit of a controversy, but that's the best they could do with having about, I think it was about 10,000 people at the, at the camp out, quite a lot. And so there's, there's like 45 food stalls serving everything from vegan sushi. I mean, obviously everything's vegan, but vegan sushis, uh, burgers, um, like faux chicken burgers and pizza, you know, pizza for breakfast. It's like, it's amazing. Yeah. And there was, um, the speakers were like Earthling Ed, um, like a whole bunch of like um, that vegan couple. Uh, yeah, so a whole bunch of people, yeah. Tell us some more about the food. I know you, you when you came back, that was, you just couldn't stop talking about all the food. That well, the, yeah, they had 45 um, food stalls that were there. Earth, Earthling Ed brought his, tr he has a truck. It's like called Off the Hook and it sells like vegan fish and chips. And he also uses that to tour around to like local um, fishing communities where they can say, oh, here's a better option. He gives out free samples. He's an amazing man. And um, there was just like pizza for breakfast, croissants, smoothies, pancakes. And, and then they also, it's also a music festival a bit too. And they have like one area, they have a bunch of like different tents buildings really one building is the main stage that just does main speaking one building does um 
activism speaking. And so they talk about like effective activism, how to do activism. Because a lot of people go to vegan events, but they're, they might be vegan, but they're not like activists. They don't haven't done activism or they don't know how to get into activism or they just, maybe they just eat vegan, but that's it. And so they, they tell you basically how you can go about being a vegan activist, getting involved in your local vegan communities and, and stuff of that nature. And just really, I mean, it's also, I didn't go to this area, but there's also an area for families because families go to it. And so it's an all range kind of event. And so, yeah, and then just like amazing people you meet. And there's actually a group of people that organize to meet together who are going on their own. Cause I didn't go with anybody with a group of anybody. I just went on my own. I met like a few other people while I was there and we camped sort of in the same area together. And so that was really helpful because I was worried I wouldn't know anyone really. So, and how, how long did it go for? The actual event went from Friday in the afternoon to about, I think it was like Saturday, yeah, Saturday, like in the, no, sun, sorry, Sunday in the afternoon. Yes. And so the main speakers were Friday and, and then Saturday. And then Sunday is just basically the food still there. And every morning also they have, um, they have, they have a workout area, which is like some people are go there amazing bodybuilders and they wake up at like five in the morning and run around the whole campsite and then do like a, I mean, you know, you got, you got a range of people that go there. So, yeah. Right. Cool. And so I know you were disappointed that it was canceled, of course. Mm, yeah. And, but is it going to happen in 2021? Well, the UK has said that they've estimated their lockdown timeline and they've estimated it will ease the lockdown. But I don't know how they can quite predict this, but the government in the UK, we haven't done anything like this in Canada. I think they're a little bit ambitious, frankly, but they've estimated that by the time the count because it's at the end of August. So it's quite it's quite later in the summer. So they've estimated that by the end of August. It, they can ease the lockdown enough to allow for, I, I'm not really sure how they can allow 10,000 people to be on one, on one. But what they did is because most people kept their tickets from last year and they moved it over to this year, a lot of the tickets have already been sold. Right. So it, it, it's really, really popular. I think about like 80% of the tickets. And this year, a big speaker is coming. Russell Brand is coming. Like he is the main big speaker. And then other people, like if you ever saw the Game Changers, um, Patrick Raboumian from the Game Changers will be there. Joey Carbstrong, um, a really amazing cooking uh, duo called Bosch is going to be there. And um, there's just a whole like list of really amazing speakers. So, yeah. Maybe they'll, they'll put it on Zoom. We can all go. They do have a lot of the videos. People video them and they can see the videos. They usually do not live when you're actually watching them, although it would be useless for people in Canada, it'd be at night, right? Because you would the time change, but they, they do video a lot of them. If you go on to um, YouTube, you can pretty much watch most of the videos. Like like one of the better speakers from 2019 were probably like, um, well, Earthling Lab was pretty great. Um, there was the vegan couple was amazing. There was one guy who was really amazing. People were basically actually almost in tears listening to him. His name was Alex Hershaft. I don't know if anyone's heard about him. And he is an amazing man. Like he grew up, unfortunately, when he was five years old, he left, um, he, he escaped from the Holocaust basically, right? So when he was older, he wanted to like pay, pay back because he felt like, why do I get to survive when all these other people didn't make it through the Holocaust? And he was sort of toying with this idea in his head. And basically 
when he was he did other activists and stuff, but never really worked for him. When he was somewhere in the 70s, I don't remember, he went to a slaughterhouse and he visited and it actually reminded him of exactly what he went through during the Holocaust. Wow. And so that notion of of the idea said, well, if I'm going to be if we're going to abolish the Holocaust, why are we still doing animal agriculture, which is almost exactly the same, keeping people in cages, branding very much in the same line. And he just decided I'm going to go vegan that day. And he has one of the oldest um, farm sanctuaries in, um, in, in North America, pretty much. And he does tons of work around the world. And his speech just was really moving. And he just talked all about his experience. And yeah, I was probably one of the better ones that was there. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, Peter, I miss our vegan uh, groups, uh, local gatherings th that we used to be able to mm -hmm. have. Is yeah, there, me too. Is there still is there still some activism going on? Like, what what's your favorite kind of activism for the animals? Well, I mean, my I don't really have one specific kind of activism. My favorite. I mean, I, we did do um, the horse carriage thing briefly in the summertime because some of the lockdown um, restrictions were eased slightly. And the COVID wasn't that bad during the summer. So we did go to the horse carriages and we unfortunately got a lot of pushback because they claimed we were scaring the horses with all our crazy activism, but that's the horse carriages for you. And so we did that for a while in the summer. And um, I, I, yeah, as I said, because of COVID, I might start switching more to like online activism. I, I don't really have one favorite type of activism. I, I just want to work with like governments, work with people, and try to like sort of convince everyone that basically just sort of show them that I also really want to try to connect the idea that if you are concerned about any kind of group, if you want to eliminate things like, like ableism, you want to eliminate things like sexism, racism, I mean, you should also think about going further than that and say, why are we still doing speciesism. I mean, a lot of these organizations, I, I went to a conference when I was young a few years ago, actually in Victoria called Inclusion BC, but there was no talk about speciesism at all. I mean, there wasn't really the, 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 the point of the conference, but people were very concerned about a lot of disabled individuals. And there was also talk about LGBT and other stuff, but then they just sat down to a big meal of, of animal foods. Well, it's like, to me, that's counterproductive because you're basically you're 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 saying this is as far as our concern about these things will go but once we eat the meal it's it's we're just you know performing speciesism so to me i think people should to take it all the way they shouldn't concern themselves with one thing and then also be uh, like go ahead and eat, have a meal of, of dead animals so <laughs> Right. And, and even if, you know, if you're busy, like you're already busy with your other form of activism, it doesn't mean you can't be vegan. Like you can be vegan and work for disability rights. You can oh, be vegan for sure. and work for the environment. You can be vegan and work for feminist issues. Right. right? But those are sort of the, the minimum that we should be doing is, is being vegan. Well, yeah. I mean, you mentioned feminine issues. I mean, you say you're going to be a feminist, but then you mother cows are, are exploited in the dairy industry so your feminism is only if you're a feminist but you still drink milk you're not really in my opinion you're not really a feminist because you're concerned only about human human women well what about the the, the cows what about the mother cows that are exploited in the dairy industry so it it's counterproductive to say you're going to be one an activist for anything and then and then go ahead and consume the, the products that are basically 
causing more just as much of a problem so yeah you don't have to be a vegan activist per se but you at least have to not contribute to the further furthering of the industry right yeah. right on well thank you peter it's been really lovely to speak to you today and do you have mm. anything else that you want to say before we go uh, just say that well, what I want to see, I mean, moving forward, what I would like to see in both disability organizations and vegan organizations, just as I said, really just getting people more better supports and, and just focusing on making sure that everyone is aware and educated. And there's also going to be an event um, on, because I don't know if anyone's aware that April 2nd is called, uh, technically called Autism Awareness Day. Although I'm trying to rebrand it to Autism Acceptance Day, because that's what we want to brand it towards. And we're going to have an event on the day, a Zoom thing that where you, people, it's the first I've ever done this kind of event where they're going to talk about ableism, speciesism, sexism on, on the, I don't really know what it's going to be like. I've never done this before, but some, I saw it online. I, I'm joining up on it. And I just think we, that is a really important day because I want to bring back the day to make it more about people because a lot of the supports organizations will tell you, this is what you need. This is what you're supposed to have. This is what you're supposed to do. And that's not the case. Even if physically somebody is disabled and they can't physically speak, a lot of autistics, not a lot, but a certain group of autistics are completely nonverbal. But that doesn't mean they don't have thoughts or feelings. They just physically aren't able to make the, the voice count. But they might use a typing computer or they might use something else. So I think it's very important to listen to the voices of people. Like, again, even animals can't maybe talk with your language, but you might they hear them. They're in distress. You hear noises coming from them that cl that clearly state a distress so we should we should we should not speak for anything we should listen to other groups and other organizations and and listen to what they have to say and basically do take it from there take their voices yeah nothing about us without us right definitely exactly yes all right 100% well, you continue to stay safe, Peter, and I hope we get to our paths cross someday soon out there in the world. Definitely. All right. And I'm looking forward to your YouTube channel. Make sure you let us know what that's I will. About. When that gets started up, I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but when that gets started up, I will definitely keep people informed. Yes. Awesome. My guest today was British Columbia-based Peter Cunnington. You can find more Plant Powered Radio by visiting us on YouTube and by subscribing to this podcast for regular updates. Please be safe and considerate towards all species. Thanks so much for listening. Compassion encircles the earth for all beings everywhere.